to this series we've been in, Battle Within. And Pastor Dave led to it last week in his service, that this battle within us, this spiritual battle, like many of us in here know, is the biggest battle, bigger than anything in our lives. And, the fo- and we're going to be focused on disappointment. This morning, that battle within a disappointment. And boy, is it a topic. Because as God, as I prayed and God put this message on my heart, there, I realized there's disappointment in almost everything. Almost everything in our life, disappointment can come with it in some way, shape, or form. When you really think about it. And as we go about disappointment, we dig into this deeper this morning. Our focus scriptures are going to be in 2 Samuel 22 and 1 Samuel 17. Should be on pages 344. That's where we'll be at first. And then 302 will be where we'll go later on in the, in the message. But that's where we'll be most of it. Um, but as you turn there, I want you, let's define disappointment. Think about this word disappointment. What does it mean? Failure, right? Disappointment is failure, this lack of meeting expectation, your own expectation. That can be in yourself. You let yourself down. You don't live up to your, what you expect in yourself, your standard. It can be in other people. They let you down. What you expected, what you wanted didn't happen. They didn't live up to your expectations. And it can be in so many of our situations and circumstances, Right? We want something. We don't get what we want. We have these expectations of what we desire. We want it don't happen. And it leads to disappointment. Big, small, there's disappointment in it all, right? I want to prove it to you for a minute. I like to get you zoned in and get your mind right and get you... So let's prove the point, okay? You're reading even the littlest things. You're reading a book. And the book starts off great. By the time you get to it, it's similar to my sermon messages. Your eyes are bad and you're about to fall asleep, right? Yeah, yeah. But you still read. You still pick up the book. You still read it. You're watching the movie, and at the end, it's the most disappointing ending. But you keep watching the movie, right? You keep watching movies. You have the sports team you follow, and they miss the buzzer beater. They miss the shot. You know, they let you down. The losing record. You still watch. You still support. You still tune in, right? Some of us can really relate to this. Around North Central Ohio... And even if you're not a Buckeye fan, you can relate to this. It's not too long ago, the Buckeyes missed a kick that went wide left that kept them from going on in the playoffs. Did not lead up to any of our expectations, because around here we have high expectations. But we still cheer. We still chant. We still follow. We wave their flags. It's like a banner. We're not ashamed to show who we follow, who we support, who really motivates us, and who we cheer for and chant and support. I'll prove it to you. Even if you're not a Buckeye fan, and you all better do this because when I prepared this, I was afraid nobody would do it. So let's, let's follow along, okay? Even if you're not a Buckeye fan, when I say these two letters, you know what to say. O-H. There you go. You're not afraid. You're motivated. You're obligated. You're eager to show and chant loud who you support, who you represent. Am I right? Absolutely. That's the way it is around here. And then you have the serious disappointments. The health and that's what we go to first a lot of times, right? The bad diagnosis. We say it all the time, but it's so true. That's what hits us the most, and we can find the most disappointment. Disappointment as we get serious. It's health. It's the job loss. It's the do I have enough money to get gas tomorrow for some of us to make ends meet. It's the loss of a loved one. Probably the biggest disappointment for a, in a believer's life, I know in my life, the biggest disappointment is not just a lost loved one, 
loss of a loved one. It's exactly what I just said. It's a lost loved one. It's not just the loss of a loved one that God takes them. It's, the, it's a lost loved one. We want people to know Christ. And that's the biggest disappointment. We have people in our families and our workplaces that we know that they're lost and they don't know Jesus Christ. That's the biggest disappointment for a believer. And with that goes the biggest battle that's behind it all. Satan, right? We know we have an enemy and his name's Satan. We know he's the biggest battle and the, leads to the biggest disappointment. See, there's two choices. There's God or there's Satan. There's eternal life. There's reward. There's believe in, believing in Jesus Christ. And there's not believing in Jesus Christ. And condemnation and eternal death. That's the biggest battle. That's the biggest disappointment. That's the biggest things in our lives. And Satan, what's he want for a Christian to do? He wants you to stop fighting. He don't want you to share Jesus. He wants your failures. He wants your finances. He wants your, your loss of a loved one. The lost loved ones. He wants you to stop fighting. He wants you to feel like you don't stand a chance. That you're disabled. That you're the underdog. And he wants non-believers not to know Jesus Christ. Speaking of it, I'll, let you, I'll use Ohio State, okay? What do we always hear? They don't belong in the same field as Alabama. You know, they don't, they don't even belong in the fight. That's how Satan thinks about you and me. We don't belong in the fight. He don't want us to even show up. But what do they do? They study the playbook. They know the schemes of the opponent. They know how they're going to attack. They know how they're going to defend. They know what they're going to do. They know that they want to defeat them. And they show up. They study, they train right, they practice right, and they show up, and they face the opponent. That's a sport. But boy, does that have a lot of bells that ring true in your mind and your heart right now about our battle we face with the enemy and non-believers? Absolutely. But we show up and we fight. But we must know the schemes of the enemy. We must know the schemes of Satan so we know how to fight. And that's what we're going to focus on a lot this morning is how do we fight? God's going to remind us how He wants us to fight, who He wants us to depend on. And there's so many examples in the Bible, and there's so many examples in our life. Think about your life right now in disappointment, small and big. You could probably go on and on and on of yourself, others, your enemies, Satan, the disappointment you've had in your life. I've had it. I've had easy ones. I remember my family and I went and took a vacation trip one time. And you ever had something that's like false advertisement? It's advertises the best thing in the world, and you're excited. My kids were so excited to go to this thing. It was advertised better than Disney World. The brochure was so put together. Well, beautiful pictures. It was called Wilson's. Don't sound like Disney World, does it? But it was called Wilson's. And while on our way to vacation, we, we'd stop and we'd take this trip. Well, we went in, and every animal in there looked like it was on its last leg, its last day. Like they were going to die. They were bald. They smelled. There was feces laying everywhere. I left that place feeling like I crawled out of a septic tank. I felt like I smelled like it. I was on my last leg. And my kids were so disappointed. And it's vacation time. We're ready. You know, it's disappointment. And then I've had serious ones in my life. An appendicitis, you know, a punctured lung, the serious health diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, my grandpa, near and dear to my heart. Lost him, you know. Several losses like that. We all have that. You can relate to so many of those. And there are so many examples in the Bible. All throughout God's Word, He gives us examples of battles, disappointment, how to fight, how to learn, how to train. We mess up, we make mistakes, we get back up, we dust ourselves off, and we fight. Because we know where our source comes from, our strength, our rock. That's what we do as Christians. 
Am I right? Absolutely. So, with that being said, think about it for a moment. The Bible, examples. You have Jonah and the whale. You have Abraham and Isaac. Talk about a battle. Talk about disappointment. You have Moses and the tablets. The breaking of the tablets, seeing the golden calf he made by his own, his people. You know, talk about letdown. Not meeting your expectation, disappointment. You have Jonah, then you have Job and his health and his wealth and his family. All angles, he got hit with a big battle and disappointment. You have Jonah, you have Job, you have Jesus. Tells the disciples, stay awake. They fall asleep, like some of you are doing now. And he says, but he's still with them. Jesus was still with them, right? They can't, the disciples can't catch fish. They know what they're doing. They got it under control. They've done it a million times. They're professionals. They can't catch no fish. Disappointment. Jesus is there for them. Jesus is there for you and me when we don't have it all under control like we think we do and we're disappointed. The examples God put on my heart this morning is David and Paul. Mostly David, but we'll probably get into Paul a little bit, Lord willing. But you talk about a great example. And when I say the word David, many people go right to adultery with Bathsheba, right? Premeditated murder, Uriah. Murder, adultery, the battle with Goliath. We'll probably, excuse me, probably touch base on that in a little bit. But you think of those big ones. Some people think of King, King David. So you have those big moments. But David also had battles and disappointment where he thought something was good. He wanted to build a temple for the Lord. He thought that was even a great thing, going to be a good thing. That wasn't the Lord's purpose. It wasn't the Lord's plan for his life. Patience he had to learn. Disappointment. When he was anointed king, didn't come right away. Patience. He had a son rebel against him and hunt him, want him hunted down. He had the loss of a child. So much disappointment. Such a great example in God's words of battle and disappointment. And as we get in, I'm getting ready to read uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22. And this is a song of deliverance of David. This is David looking back at when the, the day that Saul, he was delivered and rescued from Saul and his enemies. David had enemies. David had battles and disappointment. He had enemies. He had himself. He had Saul. He had Satan, just like you and me. And this song is him remembering God, what God was to him. He's looking at this battle, this fight. And you talk about somebody that learned how to fight and learned how to train right and learned how, who the battle really does belong to, like the song we sang earlier. It's David. And as I go through, I want to know what your song is. I want you to be thinking of what your song would be as you look back at, back at your life. Could these be your words that we're about to read? What words would you add to them in your song of deliverance in your life as we read David's? I'm going to start off, I'm going to read 2 Samuel 22 verses 1 through 7, and it's going to lead us right into point 1. I'll start now. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold and my, stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice. If you're doing the fill-ins, if not, follow along. The first fill-in, the first point is when our disappointments lead to appointments with God, we will get pointed down the proper path. 
David made appointments with God. Look at verse 7 right there. What's he say? Twice, I called from this temple. In my distress, I called. In his distress and his dis- disappointment, he called upon the Lord. Look at verse 4. I call upon the Lord. You talk about repetition. You talk about getting a point across. In David's battles and his disappointments, he knew what he had done. He made an appointment with God and he called upon him. Look at all these mys. When I, when I read these mys, I want you to put your name in there and your battles and your disappointments. In the past, now, the battle is coming so you can prepare, right? Put your name in there as I say these. My rock. And what is a rock? I mean, that's your, you hear husband and wives all the time say, he's my rock, she's my rock. What does that mean? It means your protection, your strength, your mightiness, your unbreakableness, your support system. Everything you need is in the rock. David says, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock. Again, reputation, just repu, repeating it over and over, getting the point across of what God is to him. My shield, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. That's the same for you and me. That can be our song of deliverance. See, David knew he wasn't able. How Satan wants us to think we aren't able. David knew he wasn't able. He knew God was able. And it makes me think of this. I don't know if you've ever heard of Nick Vujicic. But Brother Stan, I was up visiting him once at his office, and he had a book of, of Nick Vujicic, and kind of stuck with me ever since. I've kind of watched some videos from this guy. But don't miss this, okay? Because this is a man who has no arms and no legs. They have to carry him and sit him on a table, and he speaks to people. You talk about a man who has every reason to stop fighting, every reason for disappointment. Zero arms, zero legs, and they sit him on a table. And he speaks to people. He makes it very clear that he has a rock too, and his rock is God. He makes it very clear that he calls and he cries out to God like David did. And he, but here's what stuck with me. A couple weeks ago, I was watching, and he looked out at them and he said, do I look disabled? And obviously he looked disabled. He said, do I look disabled? And you see head shake. And he said, I am disabled, but I put a G-O in front of disabled. Because God is able. And when you put a G-O in front of disabled, it tells you God is able. You and I aren't able. And Nick goes to God. David went to God. You and me, we go to God. We make an appointment with God, just like Batman did. We know our rock. That's who we go to. And then verses 8 through 30, we won't read all of those for the sake of time. We'll keep moving along. But David, to summarize it, David is basically saying, you are my deliverer. You are my salvation. You rescued me. You saved me. And then he, he shows God's mightiness on us, the vast superiorness of God to all things human. David says, when it's in your purpose, when it's in your will, you would move mountains. You would shake foundations. Whatever it took, no human can defeat you. No earthly thing, anything. None of creation can defeat you if it's in your purpose and your will for my life. God did whatever it took to rescue and, and deliver David. Nothing would stop him. Same with God in your life and my life. Whatever it takes, if it's in his purpose and its will, it will be done. We have to have trust in that. And that brings us to 31 and 32. David says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord and who is what? A rock except our God. A rock again. 
And that really finishes that point one nice. That, what did he say? His way is perfect. That we will get pointed down the proper path. The proper path in point one is God's way. God's perfect plan. God's purpose. God's path in our life. Which leads us to point two. Our point two is our disappointments have a purpose. And they can give us strength, patience, and perseverance. Our disappointments have a purpose, and they can give us strength, patience, and perseverance. Look at verse 40. He says, For you equip me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. The perfect way, like we just read for point one, leads right into the purpose. The perfect plan is God's purpose. And he gives strength, like we just read in 40. David knows, he says, you equip me. You made those who rise against me sink. He knows exactly who does it and whose battle it belongs to and not to lean on his own strength. Whenever I see shield and I see strength, like we just read both of those, I always think of the Apostle Paul and the spiritual armor of God. And I love in Ephesians 6, 6, 16, you don't have to turn it, I'll read it for you. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. See, Paul knew all about the shields and the flaming darts of the evil one. Because in that day, the enemy, the shields would be mostly made of wood and they would dip them in water. And when they would dip them in water, why was that? It was to extinguish the flaming darts, like Paul just said. They would soak them in water. They would hold them up. They knew their, what their shield was. It was their protection. They knew that their shield was in front of them, before them, just, as, just like Jesus is for you and me, in front of us, before us, our protection. That's what the shield was, and they soaked them in water. Is our shield soaked in water? Are we soaked in the truth? Are we soaked in God's Word? Do we need to pick up our shields? Is, do you need that encouragement this morning? You know what? I, I, God does have it under control. There is purpose in it all. These strengthen me. It does make me persevere. It's all in Christ. Look back at my life, my song of deliverance. God delivers. There's purpose. Trust in it. Make the appointments with Him. But these shields weren't also to be soaked in water to extinguish the flaming dart. Because it, all, it, it isn't always just that, right? They would also, also use these shields and they would lock arms with a brother in Christ. And they would form a wall. And their shield would protect their brother. And his shield would protect them. And that wall gave them strength and it would distinguish all the darts. What's Satan firing at you this morning? What's the fiery dart coming at you? Is your shield up? Do you need a brother? Because it's not always just about us, right? We tend to focus on us right away of our problems and our battles and our disappointments. But sometimes we can be in a pretty good place in life, praise God. But we have a brother, we have somebody else, and we need to lock arms with them. We need to fight the battle with them and help what they need be their strength. Let our shield protect them. See the same Paul who wrote Ephesians, wrote Romans, and he says in Romans 7.19, he says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. See, it's not always others. Sometimes it's ourself. You know that. I know that. And we have people that sometimes are disappointed in their self. I think of this guy I worked with last week. We were having this conversation. And he said, I, don't get, I really don't get disappointed in other people. I really don't get disappointed in the, in the world or events. I have no expectations for them. Our world, turn on the news, look at what it is. 
I learned real quick if I trust other people or put faith in them, I'm going to be let down. So I just don't do it no more. But all my disappointment comes from me. I fail. I let myself down all the time. That's where my disappointment comes from. When he he was talking, I was thinking of Paul. And I was thinking, you know, not exactly like that, but that's where God took my heart. And I'm like, you know, Paul was a man who was beaten, shipwrecked, took lash after lash after lash, battles, disappointment. And a lot of his disappointment at some point in his life was was in himself. You know, he didn't do what he wanted to do. He didn't say what he wanted to say, do what he wanted to do, just like me. Probably just like you. But there's a bigger context to that too. Because Paul wrote other things in the Bible. He was up and down like us at times. So he was obligated, eager, not ashamed. He would fight. He knew that it wasn't really him sinning anymore. He had been crucified with Christ. There was a new Paul. He repented. He moved on. He kept fighting. That's what it's about. And that brings us to point three, where he didn't stop. David didn't stop. Through it all, through all the disappointment, there was purpose, there was perseverance, and there was fight. And the same Paul who wrote that, he wrote 2 Timothy, which we're going to read in a moment. But first point three, our disappointments provide opportunity to respond with actions of obedience. Our disappointments are opportunities. They're opportunities to respond the right way, the right choices, to grow us, bless you, to grow us. We have that opportunity to do that. That's what Paul did. That's what David did. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. Keep in mind, the same man that who wrote what I just read went through everything he went through, all the battle, all the disappointment. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Which brings us full circle, basically, back to 2 Samuel 38, which I'm you're still there. It's, I, this is David now. Paul fought the fight. Well, David pursued. David says in verse 38, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. Paul fought the fight. David pursued. They acted. They responded. They wanted to be obedient to God and the calling he had on his life and the fight he wanted them in. Very important to pick up on that. So important. And whenever I think of David and fighting, what do you think of? Goliath. And we'll touch base on that for a moment because there's a lot of mythology there. It kind of bugs me if I be honest when people say, David defeated Goliath. David did not defeat Goliath. We know that. God defeated Goliath. David didn't defeat Goliath. He fought just like we fight. And the battle belongs to the Lord. It says in, in 1 Samuel 17 verse 38, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And here it is. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. David didn't use the worldly armor. He didn't use what he wasn't comfortable with. He used what he was trained in. He used what God equipped him with. And you notice there's five stones in a sling there. What's five plus one? Six. Read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. There's six pieces of armor that God gives us for every situation. We have the equipment we need to fight and to fight right. And God don't miss the mark. It took David one stone 
We have what we need for each situation we face. If you look at verse 45, 46 in the same 1 Samuel 17, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, this is when they're getting ready to fight. He's, He's ready to go. He's got his training. He's ready. He's equipped to fight. And this is how he does it. He says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, with those worldly weapons of yours, basically. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David fought in the name of the Lord. He just didn't learn how to fight. He knew why he was fighting. He knew what to use. He knew why. So all the earth would know that there is a God in Israel. Brother and sister, how are we fighting? Are we meeting with God? How do, how do we fight and why are we fighting? Think about that for a second. As we come first circle and we do these points, we know we need to do all, all those points sound good, right? Well, yeah, I got I to gotta meet with God. Why do you go to the doctor? You meet with the doctor so they can tell you what you need to do to get healthy, get strong. Why do you meet with a teacher? So you learn the information and you can take it out into the world, right? Why do we need to meet with God? Because we can't expect to fight well and fight right when we're not meeting with the source of it all, meeting with God, the one who has the knowledge, has the power. We must meet with God and make appointments. We must trust that he has a purpose and that it does strengthen us. Listen to somebody's testimony. The first place they usually talk about is what, how God's, the biggest battles in their life, where God has brought them through it. It's perseverance. It's strength in it all. And we respond and we act in obedience. But how do we do all of that? We must become consumed with Christ, right? The main point at the bottom is when we become consumed with Christ, we become equipped with courage to fight all of our battles and disappointments. We have to be consumed with Christ in all of it, or we we won't be able to do it. He is our rock. He is where it all comes from. That's the main thing. So I I want you to see something here. I brought this bucket. I came to preach with a Bible and a bucket. You ever thought you'd see that? Okay. So this container represents you. This is your life. Okay, this is your life and everything that comes into it, the battles and the disappointments that we all face. Okay, and this first scoop, that's your finances. Not making ends meet, can't make the house payment, weighing you down. It's a battle, it's a disappointment you can't handle. The second scoop, let's say this is your health, the bad diagnosis. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to proceed. What's God's purpose in it all? Your job, you lost it. Somebody got promoted instead of you. You just don't know how to handle it. Where where is God taking this? It's a battle. It's a disappointment. This third scoop, so much more disappointment in there. Because this is the loss of a loved one. That loved one that's so heavy on our hearts. We didn't want them to go when they did. It makes us emotional. It weighs us down. It disappoints us. Why now? Why me? And then this final one. 
It's that biggest battle, that biggest disappointment that we talked about towards the beginning. A lost loved one. Somebody who don't know Jesus Christ. You want them to. You want them to know Jesus. You know that really you need to do something about it. But then it all weighs you down so much, it gets so heavy, that sooner or later you just can't handle it no more and the bottom falls out. And how do you feel? Empty. Deflated. Disappointed, deflated, right? Defeated, just like Satan wants. Don't want you to fight, wants you to feel empty. But when you get consumed with Christ, the rock, David's rock, your rock, my rock, he goes first in your life. You place him first, you place him at the very bottom. He's sturdy, he's strong, he's at the bottom, he's the foundation. And notice he went in first. He's first in your life. Then, when you have that finance problem, everything you're going through, the worries, you have that second scoop of all the health and the job, you have the third scoop, oh, it's getting heavy now, there's a lot of weight there. And you have the lost loved one that you just don't completely understand. And then you have the biggest one. The lost in this world that Satan is defeating. That aren't believing Jesus. And then, it gets so heavy. feels like the bottom wants to fall out. And it falls out. There's a rock that holds it all together. It's Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the base. He's the cornerstone. The living stone the rock in our life, the hope. He holds all of it together in our lives. He's the main thing. Pastor Dave always says, keep the main thing the main thing. Well, the main thing is Jesus Christ. That's who we need to consume our life with. But that's going to take change, right? It's going to take eliminating things in our life. But I want you to notice some. The same courage that was for David, the same courage that was for Paul, is the same courage for you and me. Take the C off of courage. What do you get? Our age. The same courage for them is the same courage for you. I mean, it's for our age. There's people that are lost that need Jesus Christ. We need to have the courage right there. We know they need it. We have the courage to do something about it. We need to have the courage to trust God in it all. In the per- trust He has the purpose. I want to ask you, the songs of deliverance we talked about, your song of deliverance, your courage. At the beginning I said I-O-H and you all said I-O. You notice those two letters? are also two of the most important words a Christian could ever say. I owe. I owe it all to you, Jesus. Which is louder? Which motivates you more? I owe or I owe. I owe it all to you, Jesus, to go. You're not able. We are disabled. God is able. We go. We fight. We get up. We dust ourselves off. We pursue our enemies. We pursue Jesus Christ and He will take care of it. He will give us the courage we need. All we need we have in Jesus Christ. We say, yes, I will. I will fight. I will lift your name high. I will praise you. We need to reach the lost. We need to do something about it. I, want, I, I hope that if you're my brother or sister, you're encouraged this morning. I hope this it really does motivate you. I hope God puts something on He says, you know, I know people that are lost and I, I know I want them to be saved. Um, do something. Have a lunch with them. God will work it all out. Just have that courage to take the five minutes to do it. The most important choice they can ever make. And if you're in here and you know Christ, 
be motivated, be encouraged. Whatever you're going through personally, look back at your life. Look at your song of deliverance. God has it. God has it under control. It'll be okay. And if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I pray that your mind right now is turning, your heart is convicted. Because it is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. It's that important. Regardless of whatever's happening when you leave this church, pales in comparison. Whatever battle you're facing, pales in comparison. And I'm not trying to downplay whatever you're going through. I'm just telling you the truth. When it comes to eternity, when it comes to eternal life or eternal death, what you're going through now don't mean that much when it comes to God or Satan. Let us close in prayer.